1 Peter 4, 7 to 11. I'm just going to go ahead and read that. Uh, we're going to dig in. Um, we're highlighting serving, so we're really kind of highlighting verse 10. We're going to be talking about this next week as well, this passage. So if you feel like I left kind of like something on the table and didn't cover like every single thing in a passage and you feel so inclined to send me an email about it, just to let you know, uh, we have uh, another week of this here. So we're just kind of tapping in on just this one aspect here, uh, verse 10. But let's read first, uh, or first Peter rather, 4, 7 to 11. It says this, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, Peter says, keep loving one another earnestly. Okay, what does that, that love do? What does that love look like, Peter? Since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling, without complaining. As each has received a gift, verse 10, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever and amen. And this is really where we should end with serving, right? To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. We're going to get into this a little bit later, but uh, our gifts are a grace gift. Right? They've been given to us by, by grace. And notice, too, like at that latter part of the serving, how are we serving? As one who serves, strength that God gives, right? And where does Peter end up? To God be the glory. So if you think at all that as we parade people on stage or have people stand or have them clap, that somehow this is like glory for them, we're honoring them. And I think that that's different. Who gets the glory? God does. This is a work that he does. I love what, what Mark said in his interview, right? He goes, man, I just, I, anytime I do something that's not of myself, and like, like, where does that come from? How in the world would we ever want to wake up in the morning and serve someone else rather than ourselves? That's a work of God's grace in our lives, right? Because apart from God, I'm what? We're what? Selfish. We love ourselves, right? So that we would ever be others' focus for the sake of their joy and their benefit as a work of God's grace. But really on the front end here, I want to talk about, I want to talk about serving, and I want to talk about the heart of serving, which is Jesus, right? And we're talking about the heart of serving, which is the gospel. The gospel narrative and the gospel story is of a God who serves. So on the front end here, we consider the gospel. At the heart of the gospel is a God who got up off of his throne to go and serve some lost sheep. Last week, we covered Luke 15, the parables of the shepherd and the lost sheep, right? At the heart of the gospel story is a God who gets up off of his throne, comes to earth to serve sinners, to serve lost sheep. And the reason serving is celebrated in the church, the reason serving is celebrated when we gather in and among the people of God is because the person at the center, the person responsible for this gathering and for these people that are God's people was a servant. That's why it's celebrated. The reason serving is celebrated is because the person at the center of this whole thing was a servant. Consider how you entered salvation. Consider how you entered a relationship with God. Consider how you entered the kingdom of God. No one enters salvation. No one enters a relationship with God. No one enters the kingdom of God apart from meeting and being introduced to a servant Savior, a Savior who serves you. In fact, I remember the time when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet, right? And he gets around to Peter. And Peter's like, God forbid, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. 
right? Like, I should be washing your feet. You shouldn't be washing. You shouldn't be serving me. I should be serving you, right? And this is pretty much how we would think of God, right? Like, God loves us, and God created us. We should be serving you. You, you. you don't serve us. And then Jesus says something really, really interesting to Peter. He goes, Peter, listen, man. If I don't serve you, you have no part in me. Unless you let me serve you, you have no part in me. Meaning this, the only way to know God is this. He serves you first, not the other way around. He serves us in our deadness, lostness, lastness, blindness, in our sin, right? God is not sitting in heaven waiting for us to offer up prayers and things to appease him. that we might, He might turn his heart to us or, or forgive us. No, while we were dead in our sins, what? Christ loved us and gave himself for us. We don't enter this apart from knowing a servant, suffering Savior. Entrance into God's family, entrance into this forgiveness, entrance into this salvation is a pathway of humility where we, we know, we humbly recognize our utter despair and our need for a Savior. We, we recognize our, our moral despair, our spiritual bankruptcy. And we said, you know what, I need a cross because I'm carrying around a lot, of, a lot of guilt and a lot of shame and a lot of things in my past. What do we do with that, right? And the great news of the gospel is that we know a God who became flesh in Christ to come and do something about that. He took our sins upon his shoulders and went and suffered and died in our place as our suffering servant savior. The one who had the ultimate right to judge us blast us with his wrath and blast us with his righteousness. The one who had that ultimate right, who we've offended in our sin, came for us, died for us, rose for us, and loved us. Think about that. We've offended the heart of God. What did God do in the face of our sin? He died for us. It almost seems opposite the way the world works, right? God didn't treat us according to our sins, but served us and loved us there. And this is Jesus, friends. This is why we stand up and sing songs, right? Because we've been rescued. We've been loved. We've been redeemed and forgiven and set free on some things that are very real in our lives, very, very real decisions and choices and things in our past, things that deserve wrath and judgment, things that deserve to be dealt with. But instead of pouring those out on us, he poured it out on his son instead so that we might not know the consequences of our sins, but know God as Father in grace and in love and know Jesus as our suffering servant, Savior. Amen to that? The king of the kingdom we belong to is not a king that sits around and waits for you to appease him with gifts and service. He is a king who got off his throne and served hard to serve sinners. This is who we serve. This is how we entered this kingdom. There is no other way to receive Jesus but to humbly receive him as a servant who suffered for your sin, right? No one in God's family, listen, no one in God's family, no one who's seated at the table of God's people, of God's family, no one in this house, no one in this this church, right, made their way there through good deeds, made their way there through religious merit or personal holiness, We were all in a situation and still are in a situation where we need to be served and rescued. And our God is a God who serves. Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. 
Serving is elevated in the kingdom. Serving is elevated in the church because the king of the kingdom is a servant. And so no wonder why we see this phenomenon. No wonder why Peter now is calling us to this, right? He's calling us to live like this. Why? Because we've seen it in our papa. We've seen it in our father. We've seen it in our brother, Jesus, right? That's how we, that's how we entered into this thing, by being served. And so it's no wonder that as God's love and grace and mercy start to kind of like infiltrate this people, and start to affect change in their hearts, that what would be the outcome of that? What would be the fruit of that? That we would serve each other. That we would be servants as well. So what's the heart of this whole thing? It is the gospel. It is the gospel. So just as God served us and saved us by his grace, he's gifted us by his grace as well, right? Serving is a gracious gift in our lives, right? To be used. Look at verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it in serving one another as, God, as good stewards of God's varied grace. Notice a few things here. First is this. Each and every person in this community that Peter writes to, right, has a gift. What does he say? As who? As some have received a gift? As each. Each. As each individual person. Each individual, a part of this family, a part of this community here in exile that Peter writes to, extending to us, as each has received a gift, each believer in this community has a gift. The word gift here in the original language is charismata. It's where we get this idea of charismatic. The idea is this, a grace gift. It's a grace gift. That's the word. If you're a believer, right, you've been given a gift by God's grace. Charis, that's the Greek word for grace, charismata grace gift. If you're a believer, you've been given a gift by God's grace. You are gifted and you're you're a gifted and spiritually enabled member of Christ's family, of Christ's body, right? If some of you are sitting here thinking like, oh, he's talking about somebody else, right? Then stop thinking like that, okay? You, this is talking about you here. Each has received a special gift. You have a unique ability given by God, by his grace, to contribute, right, to the body, to the community, to the life of this church. And it's been given to you by Jesus. Wayne Grudem is a theologian, smart dude, kind of nerdy. Anyways, he said this. I didn't have to say that nerdy part. Anyways, most theologians are, but whatever. He said this about spiritual gifts. He said, a spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church, Right? Where's this come from? It comes from the spirit of Jesus living inside of us. That's a gift given to us. What about this other gifts given to us? Yeah, those are spirit-enabled. You have a gift. If you're in Christ by faith and a part of his people, you, each of you, have received a gift by his grace. So that's the first thing. You have a gift. You might not have considered this. You might have heard this before, but never really like traced the rabbit trail of, uh, uh, of curiosity to figure out what your gift is. Maybe I can encourage you to do that today. Second thing is this. Our gifts are just that. They're gifts. We've been given these gifts by God's grace, right? A gift is a gift, right? Sometimes you, you, don't, you don't earn gifts. What do you earn? You earn paychecks, right? If you earn it, it's called a paycheck, not a gift, right? It's a gift. It's given to you by God's grace. And so just as there's no boasting in salvation, right? And grace removes boasting, correct? Right? 
Paul says we've been saved by grace so that no one may boast, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. There's no bragging. Check me out, right? I made it here. I earned my way here at God's table or in God's salvation or God's forgiveness. You don't earn your way here. It's grace. And just as there's no boasting in salvation, there's no boasting in our gifts. There's no boasting in our service, right? We've been given these gifts by God's grace. It's given to us, right? Those who don't merit it, we haven't earned it. Unearned, undeserved. This is what grace means. One-way love, right? Not two-way love. This is not tit for tat. This is not merit demerit, okay? God's not the celestial bookkeeper in the sky keeping score, right? Christ did away with that. All is grace. All is grace, and these gifts have been given to us by grace. Now, um, my gift is flapping my gums, right? With the Bible open. That's my gift, all right? So um, I've always been a talker, and then God saved me by his grace and put his Holy Spirit inside of me, so I might as well use that for God's glory. And so a lot of times afterwards, like people are like really, really blessed, like in a sermon or whatever. And so here's what I usually tell people. One is I tell them thank you because they're trying to encourage me. And one, I like, if I act weird when you try to come up and encourage me, it's because I know the very real temptation and ditch in my life, right? Where I start to really kind of believe that and I start to take glory for myself in those things. And I know the death of that, thinking that somehow this is of me or somehow this is about me. Or somehow this has anything to do with pointing an arrow of glory at all towards me. I've been down that rabbit trail, and I know the death of that. So if I act weird when you encourage me and I'm trying to deflect, that's just me trying to push back against my tendency to receive glory for myself. But usually what I'll tell them is this. I'm like, man, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Because they might be using their gift of encouragement on me, so I don't want to rob them of that. And I am, and I'm encouraged Like when people write me notes or whatever. But I usually tell them this, like, listen, man, I go this is a gift that God's given me. Truly. Truly. Like if God doesn't come to me in his grace, if God doesn't fill me with his spirit, if God doesn't love me in the way that he loved me, I guarantee you I'm not standing on a stage on a Sunday morning. I'm sleeping in probably because I was out getting hammered the night before. Okay? That's probably what I'd be doing. All right? But that's not the case because my story is one where Jesus has invaded it and he's gifted me by his grace And I've stumbled into this, and other people have affirmed this into my life, and God's given me opportunities for these things. But I give praise to God, right? I give praise to him. Why? Because this is a grace gift. He's given it to me by his grace. Notice Peter says here that it's to be stewarded. This grapes to be used. Please hear this. A lot of times we elevate what happens on this stage, okay? We have a tendency to do this. That we elevate this gift. Let me tell you. Christ is the head of the church. He's the head of the body. Amen? Ephesians, Christ is the head of the church. Everything else under him is body. Everything else under him is body. And I don't care what part of the body you are, right? There's no, there's no one more important part of the body than any other else, right? I just tell people, don't be the butt of the body. Like, don't be that guy. <laughs> if you run around here, don't be the butt of the body, right? And send me emails and complain about things. Like, don't be that right? (laughs) Yeah, someone's clapping for that. Um, Like, I remember this one time I pricked my middle finger doing construction on a skill saw, right? I couldn't couldn't even, like, function. You know, I'm just, like, you know, opening doors with my other hand and stuff, and I'm just like, 
man, I was this little prick on my middle finger, and I'm like, life is completely awkward. Who would ever thought? I guess what, like, moral, like, don't be the middle finger of the body either. I don't know, <laughs> right? Like, two things you don't want to be in the body of Jesus, the butt and the middle finger, right? <laughs> Anyways, middle fingers are important. <laughs> what I'm saying is, Jesus is the head of the church, okay? Everything under, health, uh, everything under that is just body, right? We're all just serving in our gifts. And I think it's a little bit of a dysfunction when we elevate certain gifts. And the person who you don't even know their name, who does something that you don't even know that contributes, like do you even know the person that preps your communion every month? Do you even know that person? Do you know that person's name? No, you don't, right? And they serve you, right? What do we do in communion? It's time for us to pause and reflect on the gospel, right? Someone served you in that way. You have no idea who they are, right? And they're just as much a part of this body and this family as I am, right? I just get to be on stage with real hot lights on me and a microphone wrapped around my ear, right? Our gifts are just gifts. We've been given these gifts by God's grace. Third thing is this. The use of our gifts, right? When we use them, Peter says this, like, hey, use your gifts, okay? Use them. You've been given a grace gift to use it. The use of our gifts is the stewardship of God's grace. When we hoard our gifts or when we don't use our gifts, it's the squandering of God's grace. Our gifts are given to use, Peter says. Our gifts are given not for ourselves, but for others, to use them. Peter calls us to use our gift. Use it, he says. Do you see the verse there? As each has received a gift, use it. Use it, he says. Now, I will tell you that as I talk about this, there are some who have never heard this, right? There are some who have never, ever heard. Maybe, you know, they're digging into the scriptures for the first time. Like, man, this is new to me. Like, all right, cool. Like, they're discovering God's grace. And then they're, they're oh, this verse. Like, I remember that, being new in Christ. Like, man, this is a bunch of stuff at one time. So maybe you're here. Maybe you're new. Maybe you've never seen this. Maybe you've never even considered. I, I, I've been saved by grace, and I've been gifted by God's grace for a purpose, for a reason, to use my gifts. <clears throat> and there are some in here even more, I feel like, that have heard this before, but have never really chased the rabbit trail of curiosity to discover what their gift is. So I think there are some that this is a new thing to them. Man, I'm gifted. But I think there's even more in here that have never, ever even considered what their gift is or how they're gifted, right? <clears throat> now, I can only, uh, I can only, I can get into why I think that is, right? But that would be more of a rant than a sermon. So we're not going to do that. But as usual, what I always say, like with the mission thing or with this, if any of you want to ever discover or at least consider how God has uniquely gifted you, I'd love to have coffee with you. I'd love to sit down with you in my office and talk about that. In fact, if I get a ton of emails about that, people are like, you know what? Like, I would really love to discover what that is. What is this grace gift that God's given me? How do I use it? How do I serve? How do I, how do I get into the fabric and the life of the body here and start to be a blessing to the community? If we get a ton of you, we'll pull some campus elders together. We'll do a workshop, something like that. That's my offer to you, okay? Because a lot of times I feel like we preach these sermons and then maybe there's not a follow-up for you to really kind of chase that a little bit. So I would love to offer myself if you don't know that, right? And you've been down this road before. You've heard sermons here. But then, like, it gets kind of lost, right? And you have the curiosity, but you never really kind of trace it down, right? I'm just an email away. I would love to talk to you about that. But I'd love for everyone to know how they're uniquely gifted to serve in our community. Because your gift is a grace 
to be used, not squandered. So for those that don't know, let's figure it out so you can use it. Let's start praying about it. Let's start considering it. Let's start, let's start figuring that out. And for those that do know, use it and be using it. Serving is this. Serving, it's very easy to kind of think of serving as like, like checking a box, religious duty, I got to do it kind of a thing. But really, if you think about it, God has brought you into his family and he's uniquely gifted you to serve in his family. So really, if you think about it, serving is operating in God's gracious design for your life. He's gifted you for a purpose, for a function, to do something and to benefit and to bless others. Bless means truly joyful, truly happy. So when Megan mentions earlier, blessed, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, what she means by that and what Paul means by that is this, I've been blessed. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I've been joyful from this, right? I'm receiving benefits spiritually from this. Serving is operating in God's gracious design for your life in the church and for his mission. It's easy to see serving as an obligation, even an opportunity if you're more of you know, an optimist, right? But beyond that is who God has gifted you to be in his body and the joy you get in running in God's design and will for your life. And as I think about this, there are, there are many spiritual blessings, right, and benefits to knowing how we fit in God's body and in God's mission. Just a few, right? And, and, and Nancy and Tony and Megan mentioned a few, and you even mentioned a few in the video, but, but just to say this, that when you discover how God's gifted you, what your bent is and, and all those things, and as you begin to serve others in that, in the context of community, one of the things that you'll notice is, is that you have a sense of purpose, right? Like you know like who you are in the body, right? Like you know you're that pinky, right? And what that pinky does and how that pinky functions. Like, I know I'm that elbow. I know I'm that foot. I know I'm that, you know, whatever part of the body. And each part of the body has a unique and proper function. So there's purpose, right? Like, man, like, like my life's not just in vain. God saved me and given me a purpose in this, right? And I know, I know what my unique contribution is to my family, to my brothers, and to my sisters, also clarity. I will say this, clarity. You know, um, I've been around this, and, and I've struggled with this early on in Christ, and as I've talked about this topic with, with others, I've noticed people like, you know what, I don't even know what my gifts are, right? And they're kind of just kind of like wandering around me, like, what is my, like, I know I'm going to services and doing these things, but I don't really know how I fit. And sometimes when you don't know your gifts, there's a bit of a bit of confusion, Right? I said, what is my purpose? What is, what is this thing I'm supposed to be doing? Now, if you're content with just coming to services and those things, right? And that's fine. You're free in Jesus to do that. But I would challenge you, according to 1 Peter 4, that God has more for you. You know, God has more for you in that. And if you struggle with clarity and, and those kinds of things, one of the blessings and benefits of serving and figuring out what your gift is is that clarity. So I would just put that before you. Also, joy, Right? Again, blessed, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. What does blessed mean? Truly joyful, truly happy, right? It's more blessed, it's more joyful to give rather than someone who's just constantly taking and receiving, right? Which tends to be pretty normal in a consumeristic mentality in the church. We think the church is about us and the church is to serve us. 
So joy. We're joyful. When we use our gifts, there's a joy. As Megan said, I thought it was beautiful. Like when I bring that meal and do that simple thing, there's joy there for me. And I think really what she's experiencing is the truth of that passage. It's more blessed, more joyful to give than it is to receive. One of the other things I would say that flows from that is formation and maturity in the Christian life, right? <clears throat> one of our campus, our campus elders were talking last week, and one of them said pretty much a quote, something happens to you and in you spiritually when you serve and operate in your gifts. Our people need to know that. Something happens in you and to you spiritually. So if the goal of the Christian life, one is a response to his grace as we are continually being formed into the image of Jesus, Right? As we continually resemble Jesus in this life, right? And it only makes sense that serving's an aspect of that because he's a serving savior. But as we're being formed, as we're growing into the image and likeness of Jesus, as we use our gifts, that's part of the design. That's part of the pathway of growing. It's discovering who God is. It's growing and growing in joy and growing in maturity as we use our gifts, so I think there's a spiritual formation. I think there's a, I think there's a maturation that happens spiritually in us. So if you've been thinking to yourself, man, I want to grow spiritually, one of, the, one of the greatest ways of doing that, right, is serving, right? Discovering that gift, figuring out what your unique part of the body is. If you feel lost here, like this is a huge place, right? One of the other benefits to serving is it puts you in context with people and in community, if you're like, man, I kind of feel lost a little bit, and it's a big place. I'd love to get to know some, some people, right? I'd love to be a part of this family. You know what one of the greatest ways to do that is? Start serving in some way, right? In some way, somehow, because what happens when it says, like, use your gifts to serve one another, man, that starts intersecting you with other people. So that's another blessing there as well. The other thing Paul tells us is that as we use our gifts, the object of our serving, right, the object of our serving ought to be others, just a quick few minutes here in wrapping up. Serving people in love. Notice, what, notice what's going on here. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it in serving one another. Notice the phrase one another here in this brief little section. How many times does it appear? Three times. Three times. It appears three times in this short little section. Right? The object of our serving is others. It's not tasks. It's not events. It's not just pulling something off and making it happen. The object of our serving, and when we serve, what are we serving? We're serving people. The goal is not to find out what your particular gifts or gift or giftings are. That's not the goal, right? That's a, that's a good step in this, but you've been gifted for a purpose and for a reason. And the goal isn't even to use your gifts, right? That's not even the goal. You've been gifted for that, but that's not the ultimate thing. These gifts are given and meant to be used to serve and bless others. I was thinking about this on the way over. Think about how God loves us as his family. He provides for us, right? He's provided for us in our greatest need, which is what? Forgiveness. Isn't that our greatest need? Right? To be served and loved, to have our sins accounted for and forgiven, done away with, right? Jesus does that. But think about how he continually cares for his body. He's gifted people in our family to bless each other. Do we need encouragement in the Christian life and in life in general? Absolutely. He's gifted encouragers. 
Do we need service in a variety of different ways, help with various things? Absolutely. Can you do everything on your own, right? You can't. We think we can, but we can't. He's gifted people to serve. Do we need help in just figuring out, like, growing in knowledge of who God is, right? And just growing and understanding Scripture and God himself. And he's given teachers, right? Do we need leaders, people who think out ahead and, and are thinking down the line and have a desire to plant and start new things? Yeah, he's gifted people for that, right? Do we need to be loved and welcomed and received, right? Cared for, a place that we know that we are, are loved and welcomed. Yeah, well, he's given the people the gift of hospitality for that. Think about the needs we have in life. God has given his church According to his varied grace, which is this multifaceted grace, he has given gifts to his church that we might be what? Continually cared for. So it's not like God's love stops at the cross. You get it? Flowing from his heart through the cross is to continually care for us. And he's gifted each of us uniquely that we might serve each other and meet each other's needs spiritually and in life. Isn't that a great joy? Behind all these gifts is a God who wants to care for you. And he cares for you through that person who's calling you up and asking you out to coffee to ask how you're doing spiritually. And he cares for you through that person who loves your kids, right? During the week or on a weekend to teach them and love them and point them to Jesus while you do the same up here, right? He loves you through that person who helps you carry a couch, helps you move, right? Someone who's well-networked, who can serve you in various things, helping you track down maybe a contractor or a helper here or whatever. Now think about it, man. God just loves us, cares for us. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. It's given for the common good. It's, given to, it's to serve, to bless each other. This whole morning is designed to be a moment where we recognize those who use their gifts and contribute for the common good in our community and to say that we all have benefited from your service. So again, I say thank you. The goal is to serve for the common good. We're gifted not for ourselves, but for Christ and his church. And too often, churchgoers have the opposite perspective. That church is here for me. That church is to provide service for me. It exists for me. So I come as just an observer, right? Someone who just receives gifts. When Peter thinks about serving, he has others as the object of our serving. I point this out to say that we need to see that as we serve in ministries and programs and events, that we really serve people. So if you're a person that's always signing up for something, VBS or, or this or this ministry or that or this particular work day, it's easy to miss this sometimes. Sometimes we think we're just accomplishing tasks or pulling off events. Sometimes we see serving as a duty, a religious obligation, something where we check a box, and we fail to see that as we serve, we really serve people. We really serve and bless people. I point this out also to say that serving extends beyond what happens here on a Sunday, and it extends beyond our church calendar. In fact, Peter never would have even had an expression of church that we have in mind as he writes. There were no buildings. There were no programs. There were no ministries like we have them. There was no church calendar, right? This was a persecuted, underprivileged people. All they had was just community, just people, just body, just relationships. That's it. And so as we had everybody stand up and we clap for them as they serve in the ministries of the church, thank you. But you know what? If all of you guys came to me 
after the service, every single one of you, both services said, I want to serve in the church. We don't have that many slots, man. I just want to let you know. We'll be saturated. There's nowhere to put all you people. And so if you think, right, that the totality of serving Jesus and serving his people is limited to our calendar and our ministries, these just provide a few on-ramps for you. Just a few. I have been personally blessed and have, been, have benefited from people using their gifts in this church, and it has nothing to do with a ministry or an event on a calendar. It has to do everything with relationships. So I don't want you to think that the only way to serve Jesus is to jump in on some ministry or event or program. If you're gifted for that, run in it. I'm not giving you an excuse not to sign up for that. What I'm saying is this. The totality of what God's doing in this world is not limited to our events and programs and ministries. And the totality of the needs of this community are not represented in our calendars and events and ministries and programs. This extends beyond. Peter says this, serve one another. Serve people. How do you know how to serve somebody? You have to know them, don't you? Kind of hard to serve others when you're not in community. Kind of hard to serve others, and I'm not making you feel guilty in this, but it's hard to serve others without being in the context of a family, a rhythm of community where you're around other brothers and sisters, where you're around your church. And if you're this person that just kind of comes in and dips in and dips out, and church to you is just attending a service, I just want to let you know God's design is far more fabulous than that. It's far greater than that. It's part of a family. It's people. Relationships. And I would invite you to enter into that. I would invite you to come and join, be a part of this family, and ask, man, how can I, how can I be in community with the people here? Because as we know each other, and as we, as we see each other's lives just unfold with all of our needs and all of our mess and all that stuff, then all of a sudden we start to see how each other needs to be served and the needs that we have. So I just wanted to encourage you with that because I know as I looked out, I saw some people sitting down as we were honoring those who serve, who I know use their gifts, who I know serve one another, who I know serve people. And I just want to say thank you to you as well. <clears throat> okay, just kind of skip all that last thing here, right? Um, notice the umbrella that this passage falls under. Falls under love. Falls under love. In our serving, that's an expression of us loving each other, Okay? Loving each other. I want to leave you just with this last passage, Galatians 5, 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. In Christ, we're free, right? In Christ, we're free. The Bible uses freedom a little bit differently than in our day. Freedom means this. Freedom from I don't need anybody or anything, and I'm my own person. I'm independent. Freedom in Scripture is this. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Don't use your freedom to serve yourself. But through love, serve one another. We're free to serve. For this whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So in closing, I just want to say thank you to all who serve in the ministries and the programs and the communities here at the Cedar Lake campus. Thank you. I'm encouraged by you guys. Thank you also to those who serve others in our community outside of the church calendar. Without even having a sign-up sheet, you're just, you just know people, and you know what's going on in their life, and you serve them, and you bless them, and you love them with no recognition, none of that. Thank you. God's grace is evident 
in your life. And we are all blessed and built up because of your gifts. And so as Peter ends, to that we say what? Praise God. Why? It has nothing to do with us. God's gifted us according to his grace. And in our serving, we serve by the power of the Holy Spirit and the strength that he provides. So we end up where Peter ends up, which is to God be the glory. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for this moment. God, I pray that we would be stirred. Be stirred to just have a more elevated view of what you've called us to. That we have a more elevated view of family and community and church. It's not just events and programs. It's included in there. We need those things. And we're really called to be a family, serve one another, be involved in each other's lives. So I pray for my friends, all right, that I can you know their gifts and serving in their gifts. Keep blessing them and giving them strength and encouraging their hearts as they serve. For those who have never heard this before in their life, God, I pray that you would set them out on a journey and be faithful to show them their unique place in the body and how they serve others around them. For those who have heard countless sermons on this and have had curiosity, but only later on, just to get washed away by just the busyness of life and various things. I pray that they would have the courage and the strength to just trace down how it is that you might have them serve and be a part of the family around here. So bless them in that. God, give them a grace to help them discover those things. And may we all mutually benefit from each other's gifts for your glory. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace and peace, guys. If you are a servant and a volunteer, we have a little gift for you outside. So on the table, grab one as you leave. All right? A little thank you from us. Grace and peace. See you next week.